Well, this is a special time of year, our legacy season. And if you'll let me this morning, I wanna unpack some things in my heart that have weighed heavily on me for some time as we're in week three of the legacy season, which is preparing for December the 4th, where we all bring our sacrificial gift to help accelerate the mission and the vision God has given our church. I've written out the things I wanna say as clearly as I need to say them today, and I wanna talk from my heart as a father. If you'll allow me to do that, uh, I'll ask you to pardon my emotions up front because uh, in my preparation for this talk over these past weeks, uh, been a lot of emotion inside of me because I'm very concerned about some of the things we're seeing in our country. And so I wanna talk about it today. We are in a kingdom battle for the hearts and the souls of our next generation. Uh, There's a fierce battle between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of heaven. And we know who ultimately wins because God will not be defeated, but each of us has to do battle continually for our kids and to save this next generation. In the Old Testament book of Daniel, the city of Jerusalem had been overthrown by the Babylonians and God's people, the Israelites, had been taken captive into a foreign land. God's people who had only worshiped the true and the living Jehovah God were now subjected to a new Babylonian king and to an ungodly Babylonian culture. The king of Babylon, his name was Nebuchadnezzar, began to impose on God's people to adapt to the ungodly culture of the Babylonians. Particularly, four young men are talked about in the book of Daniel, and they are Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And this story shows us that the Babylonians used four methods to try and change these ungodly men into what they wanted them to become. The four methods that I wanna share with you today and talk about is they used separation, they used identification, they used indoctrination, and they used compensation. And this is where we Join the story in Daniel chapter one, verse three. Let me read it to you. Then Nebuchadnezzar ordered the chief of his court's officials to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites. That was God's people. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table, and they were to be trained for three years. And after that, they were to enter the king's service. You may be seated. So on the day these four teenagers arrived in Babylon, they were to be surrounded and indoctrinated by Babylonians' beliefs. And the orders from the king were that they would learn the language and the literature of the Babylonians. It's important to understand, and I'm sad to say this, but we no longer live in a nation that regards or holds high the Judeo-Christian worldview. Judeo-Christian simply means we embrace both the Old and the New Testament of the Bible as the absolute truth. 
Now you missed a chance to say amen if you agree with that or to say yes or don't, don't just, don't. If I don't think you're listening to me, it'll take me forever to get this message over because I know you're listening, but I need some feedback, okay? It helps me to keep moving, otherwise we'll be three o'clock. So Judeo-Christian means that we embrace both the Old and the New Testament of the Bible as the absolute truth, historically, prophetically, and literally. So if you're a Christian in your beliefs, and I'm not just talking about showing up at church ever so often or claiming to be a Christian or having a honk if you love Jesus bumper sticker or a cross around your neck. I'm not talking about that. But if you're a Christian in your beliefs, then your beliefs about life, marriage, family, our children's education, parenting, sexuality, gender identity, government, freedom, justice, equality, liberty, ethnicity, if you're a Christian in your beliefs, then your beliefs are different from the world around you. We're in a kingdom battle between heaven and darkness. Jesus came to bring heaven to earth. A little bit of heaven to earth. John 10, 10, he said, I came that you may have life and that life to the that's what Jesus said. Luke 11, he says, when you pray, Jesus told us this. You pray, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth. On earth as it is in Matthew 6. Jesus said again, seek first the kingdom of God above everything else. Prioritize it before everything else. Make sure the kingdom of God is sought before everything else and he'll see to it that everything else you need is added. The kingdom of heaven simply means God's way of doing things. God's way of doing things. But for these Jewish teenagers and for you and I today, life in God's kingdom means life surrounded by all kinds of other beliefs which usually are not compatible with kingdom beliefs. In other words, your kingdom life is surrounded by different and varied beliefs about marriage and family and parenting and education and culture and politics and friends and church and media. Your kingdom beliefs are surrounded by many opposing beliefs. Dr. Tony Evans, the pastor in Dallas, Texas, and one of the most respected and revered Christian leaders today says it this way. He says, your beliefs as a Christian have made you the visiting team in America, being a Christian used to be the home team. Not anymore. Not anymore. He's saying the crowd's no longer on your side. In other words, you're not going to be celebrated. You're going to be booed and you're going to be jeered by the crowd. So let me say it this way. A kingdom mindset is not at home in the world we live in. So when they brought these teenage boys to Babylon, they begin a process of brainwashing. And the Babylonians used four methods to turn these Israelites, which were God's people, into what they call good Babylonians. Four methods to brainwash them. Here they are, I wanna share them with you. Number one is separation. Separation. They separated them from their family, from their people, from their worship, and from their godly practices. Listen to me. 
Hear me, church, and wherever you're watching from or whenever you're hearing this message, listen. Do not let anything keep you and separate you from being with God's people and from being in the house of God every time and that the doors are open and every time you can get there. Don't let anything keep you from bringing your kids to church and your young people on Wednesday nights and being here on Sunday morning or every other opportunity you have. Do not let circumstances or other priorities separate you from an opportunity to be in God's presence with God's people. Now, it may seem harmless to be away. It may seem harmless to be distant and not connected. But isolation takes a toll on a person's mental strength and, a, and on your resilience. People weaken in their ability to stand strong in their beliefs when we are separated and isolated from the community of believers. And especially when our relationships are not aligned with Bible principles and truths. What do you mean by that? Here's what I mean. You'd better know who your kids are talking to. And you'd better know who they're hanging out with and connecting with online and on their phones. And you better realize that relationships that are not aligned with biblical principles and the absolute truth of the Bible will do nothing but separate the next generation as well as we as adults from the God that's trying to lead our life. My message today is we're in a battle for the hearts and the souls of this next generation. Listen to me. I'm glad you're in the house of God today. But let me speak plainly. What's happening and has happened in our world over the last two years or so is that loneliness has caused a significant spike in depression, in fear, in suicides, especially among young people who are too young to process the depth and the breadth of a decision that they are trying to be confronted with because there's a spirit of death that wants to take their life. This generation, pardon me for being plain spoken, not to be offensive, but to be honest. This generation knows that they are lucky to be outside the womb. I'll come back and talk about, about that later. We weren't made to do life alone and we weren't made to do life separated. That's why the Bible says, let us magnify the Lord together. Come on, let us magnify the Lord together. He said, where two or three are together. Do you know your Bible? He said, do not forsake assembling together. Everybody say together. Everybody say together. And you need to be together with the right people. You need to be together with people who align their views with what the Bible teaches. Isolation is what the enemy uses to brainwash and break its prisoners. And separation is never good long term. I believe in vacations. I believe in time off. I believe in all of that. I believe you need to restore. I believe you need to do that. But if you have a constant excuse of I just can't get to church, or, I just can't get to small group, or, I just can't be with the people of God, you have found yourself at a place where that separation is one of the tactics that the enemy uses to take you out. Here's the second one. The second method the Babylonians used to brainwash these Hebrew boys was identification. Verse 7 of the text I read says, The chief official gave these teenagers new names. Think about that. Why'd they do that? Why is our language being jacked, hijacked, and stolen today? Words that used to mean one thing are meaning something else today. The chief official gave these teenagers new names. To Daniel, he named him Belshazzar. To Hananiah, he named him Shadrach. To Mishael, he named him Meshach. 
to Azariah, he named him Abednego. Now there's a definition for all of these names because you understand, especially in Bible times, when you named someone, it was their destiny. It was a part of their purpose. So the reason they changed their name is not just because I don't like the way that one sounds and I want something with a different rhyme. or That's not what that was about. They were trying to change their identity. Growing up in the Green family, I'm the oldest of four boys, and many of you know I laid my dad to rest about a month ago, so I'm preaching in his honor today about things that he taught me as a boy, and he taught us. We are followers, as a, as, a, as a green family, he said, we are followers of Jesus, and we are Christian in our beliefs, which meant to us, and he, he told us that I wasn't supposed to fit in to the world around me. My parents taught me to know who I am and know the values and beliefs that my family uh, that had taught us and what the Bible teaches about those things. And he also taught us to not be afraid to stand up and to stand out and to represent and wear my family name and the name of God and the name of Jesus proudly and humbly but clearly. So I want to say to you today that if you're a Christian, do not forget who you are. You don't serve man or earthly systems. You serve the one and the true living God, and his name is Jesus. That's who we serve and nobody else. And we need to know that we are for freedom. Freedom. Some of you may not see it, but our government is infringing on people's freedom, our freedom, freedom of speech, freedom of religion. They're taxing us more and more, spending our money on programs that ultimately give them more control over you, little by little by little. They're brainwashing us through propaganda and media. And hear me clearly, they're coming after everyone who does not conform to the new culture and the new belief system. And more importantly, they are certainly coming after our kids. The world is trying to squeeze us, put us in a corner, make us the enemy, make Christianity the weird ones. The militant ones, the ones that are against everything and not for something. The Christian faith has never been about forcing people to believe in God or worship. You're here by free will today. And that's our choice to choose that. We believe in God's, uh, we believe in people's rights to worship or not. But you listen to me. That right even is being challenged. You think, well, we need to give everybody the right to do what they want to do. And the moment you challenge that freedom, you have to realize that you start squeezing everybody's rights until there, there's someone, there becomes a government that tells you who to believe in and how to worship and what to worship. Just look around our country. Look around our globe. But that choice and that freedom is eroding away in this kingdom battle that we're in right now. The enemy is trying to change your identity. And the battle in front of us right now is for our children. If there are small children in the room, I, my apologies for some of the statements I'm about to make, but that's why we have kids ministry. So there's a battle for the sexualization of our kids. There's a spirit that has come over our world. Some states now issue birth certificates where parents can choose male or female or non-binary at birth. They promote genital mutilation by allowing children under the age of 15 to have double mastectomies or top surgery, they call it and to take sterilization drugs that destroy their testicles and their productive ability. Listen to me. The Bible says God created us male and female. You are born either one or the other biologically. Hear me, hear me, follow the science. 
said, don't get quiet on me now. By changing the names of these four teenagers, the Babylonians were attempting to change their identities from who God said they were to what the Babylonians wanted them to be. And you need to wake up and realize that separation and identification is a part of the culture we're living in. They don't want you with God's people. They want the church separated. They want us to, uh, against each other and against everything that's happened. And then they want to change who you are. And they want us to change who God made us to be. We're in a kingdom battle for this next generation. The third method they use to brainwash is indoctrination. Verse four of my text says, teach them the language and the literature. If I say teach them, teach them what? Teach them the language and the literature and the stories of the Babylonians. I'm not near ready yet. Y'all gonna have to stop. It's distracting me. Sorry. Oh, Lord, I ain't near done. Y'all better give me a few more minutes. I mean, I got 13 minutes on the clock back there. Did I miss something? Y'all can sit down. Just sit on the floor or something. No, honestly, y'all I don't want y'all distracting anybody. I want to be looking at me. Listen to me. All right, thank you. Y'all Okay. It's it, sometimes cues get missed and I ain't given you a cue to start playing yet. The third method they used to brainwash the, the Hebrew boys was indoctrination. Everybody say teach them. Babylon wanted them to forget what they were taught by their parents. They wanted these Jewish boys to forget Jehovah God and the teachings that hero Israel, the Lord our God is one and him only will you serve. They wanted to, they wanted to distract them and take them away from their Judeo-Christian and their, their Jewish beliefs, their Jehovah God understanding. I'm not sure how much you've kept up, but our schools and universities have replaced education with indoctrination. We used to have reason for concern for those who were not educated. Now I have reason for concern for those who are. Because school is no longer education, it's become indoctrination. Teachers are teaching a religion based on Babylonian beliefs. They believe they know better what your kids need to believe more than you the parent do. The schools and the universities our current day teachers attend have indoctrinated them and now they have their own view of what truth is rather than Old and New Testament absolute. So rather than teaching our next generation how to think, they're teaching them what to think and what to believe. And I strongly believe that there are those in our government who want our kids. And they said, give me 50 years and I'll change the nation. We're in a spiritual battle. If they can train our kids, they'll change the nation. And government makes it sound so appealing. They want your kids from age two to age 24. So they offer free childcare. Sounds great. Taxpayer pays it. You can go to work and they can indoctrinate your child at age two and age three. And age four. And then at age five, you got to go to public school. And the taxpayer pays for it. And the teachers who don't believe in God can indoctrinate your children from kindergarten through 12th grade. And then we'll give you free college. And we'll pay for that. So we can indoctrinate you, indoctrinate you with the philosophies that chart the rest of your life till you're 24. Now you get out of school. And for 22 years, you've been in their program. And they have taught you how to think and what to think and who to believe in and what to believe in. You say, Pastor, that's pretty cynical. You just listen to what I'm gonna tell you here today. Let me remind you, listen to me. Let me remind, you say, that's just crazy. In 1962, I was two years old and prayer to God Almighty was taken out of our schools by the Supreme Court. That was 60 years ago. 
How many years did I say a person says, give me 50 years and I'll give you a whole nation, I'll take the nation? 1962. You don't remember that. I don't remember it because I was two years old. I do remember when I started school at age five, we did pray a little bit and then it all left because it took a while for that to go through every school. And then no more prayer. Then in my boyhood years, the late 60s, was the sexual revolution in America. I mean, there was, there was everything you can imagine. Drugs, alcohol, illicit sex. It was crazy. It changed the future. It changed the fabric of this country. Followed, followed by, within a few years, the, the removal of the Ten Commandments from courthouses and schools and public places. So the things that we were founded on as a nation, prayer was removed. Then the sexual revolution, we're just going to do what feels good and nobody's going to tell us how to live. And then we don't want the Ten Commandments in the courthouse. And then now when you go to give a commitment before testifying, it's no longer your hand on the Bible, which is the absolute absolute truth saying I do solemnly swear to tell the whole truth nothing but the truth so help me God it's just raise your right hand I, I declare to tell the truth nothing but the truth that's it indoctrination this was the beginning of indoctrinating our kids my generation I'm talking about it because I'm passionate it's been in the 50 years of my lifetime and look where we are now Rather than recognizing God's miraculous design to be born a boy or a girl, they are redefining the, bio the biology of male and female to non-binary and then all these other things that are just a letter. Where kids as young as five years old are now encouraged when they enter the classroom to identify themselves. How do you identify today? What will you be, a boy or a girl? This is insane. I said, this is insane. They, there is a battle for the souls and the hearts of the next generation. And you wonder why we have a legacy offering and why we talk about kids and next generation. Because if we don't hold on and preach truth and teach love and truth to our kids, we will lose them. And we're losing a generation even now. It is past time for you and me to get involved in our public schools. It is past time to know what your kids' teachers believe and what they're imposing on our kids. My grandkids don't know what they want to be when they grow up, let alone coming to school at five, six, seven, eight, ten, and asking them, are you a boy or a girl? Well, just look down. By God, what the matter? What, what's going on here? I'm not... I am, I, am not, I am not mad at anybody except the devil. I am not mad at a person. Listen, if you know my personality or my nature, I love people. I love all kinds. I love every, listen, I've never met a person that I didn't love. I met some people I didn't like so well. It's not against a person. It is, I'm speaking against a spirit. I'm speaking against spirits of darkness that are, at, that, are out, that are outraged against the kingdom of heaven. And there's a war going on between heaven and darkness. And we're in that war and somebody needs to speak to it. Thankfully, we have many public school teachers that are part of our Skybreak family. And I think we should give all of them an ovation right now. Come on. School teachers and school staff and faculty and officials, I'm grateful you can be seated. Thankfully we have you, but it's past time we held our teachers and our school boards and our faculties accountable. I want to say it to you plainly, but you work for us. And sometimes we forget that. You, you think they work for the government. You, you, the government works for you, 
by God. You need to remember that. You pay their paycheck. Every government official, every teacher, they work for you. And if they won't hold you accountable, then we will. That's why we are intentional at Skybreak Kids Ministry. And that's why what we do every Sunday and every Wednesday at Skybreak Kids and Youth matters. And that's why this legacy offering matters. We're in a kingdom battle for the hearts and souls of the next generation. There's a Babylonian culture that wants to change you and change our kids and impose a godless culture on our families. It's time to stand up to false indoctrination. And one way you can do it is by praying and planning and participating in the legacy offering on December the 4th and helping move the vision and the mission of our church forward. And let's see what God can do through our church and through you. Separation identification and indoctrination. The last and final method that the Babylonians used was compensation. It's crazy, isn't it? They told these Jewish teenagers they would reward them financially for cooperating with the progress and the process that they wanted them to follow. They promised to give them roles, jobs, titles, and money. <laughs> they paid them. Listen to me. Guys, just... There's a new generation that thinks everything ought to be for free. You need to wake up and realize if you don't work, you don't eat. And I know I come from a different generation than you. Listen to me. But there's a new generation. And I, I don't, I'm not going to try to categorize everybody. But every generation thinks a little bit differently. And I was taught you, you work hard. You don't, you don't work, you don't eat. And you need to realize hard work produces not only money for income, but it produces satisfaction and value. And you understand what you can do. And many of you are capable of doing some amazing things, but you just need to go to work. And quit expecting everything to be for free. Listen, I did a message years ago. There's an old statement that you probably heard. There ain't no free lunch. Everybody say that with me. There ain't no free lunch. Somebody's paying somewhere. But they promised to give these Hebrew boys jobs and titles and money. The textbook on bringing people into submission. The textbook on bringing people into submission is to persuade them with fear and give them free stuff. So the government sees an opportunity to capitalize on a crisis, pandemic, by shutting down our economy which causes inflation to skyrocket and your cost of living to go way up. Oh, it's all coming down. It's still way higher than it's been. And then they say, we'll pay you to stay home and we'll cancel your student debt, give you free stuff. Yet all the rest of us are actually the ones who's gonna pay for that. I paid, when I went to college. I only got to go two years and I worked from three to 11 every day, Monday through Saturday, eight hours shifts, three, six days a week to pay for my college. And I went to college from 7.30 to noon every day, Monday through Friday. So you patting yourself on the back? By God, you're right. Ain't nobody did that but me. I worked my tail off and I studied at one o'clock in the morning and got up at six to be... Whew, some all kind of words just went through my mind. Some of us just need to tough it up and suck it up and grow up and be big, put your big panties on and realize you're a, you gotta be a man or a woman and you just grind it out. Say, well, you know, I think it ought to be free. Well, somebody's paying for it and it's usually the people that have already been there. Let me stay with my notes. I don't wanna wander too far because I say things I probably would regret. But, so we'll give you free stuff. We'll pay for college. But if you don't comply, then you're punished. We'll hire 87,000 more IRS agents to harass you as much as we can because we want more money from some of those people. And if you do comply, we'll give you free stuff. Listen, in, in Canada, we were there this summer speaking and I was preaching at a church north of Calgary, and, and the pastor's a dear friend of mine, and he said, you won't believe what's happening right now. It's been going on for three years. Every young person in this country between the age of 20 and I think 27, every young adult in this country between 20 and 27, the government is paying them $500 a week to stay home. I'm moving to Canada. 
Or I can become a dummy and sit on the couch and get something for free and not, how to know, not know how to do anything and not know how to work. Boy, I, here, I better get back to here. Let me. I want, I, want to read a, I want to read a verse to you and I will be done. Y'all can load the stage now. <laughs> Pastor Jared, thank you. Thank you, Pastor Jared. And I, I appreciate these guys and Pastor Jared's leadership in these team. I, I do. We're, we're in a battle for the next generation. I hope you're hearing that loud and clear today. And I'm gonna read something out of the Bible. I've been reading right out of the Bible today. I showed you what happens when God's people are put in an ungodly culture. And that's happening right now in America. Right now. Right now. My lifetime, 60 years ago, prayer out of schools, and it's been a slippery slope ever since. And there's more coming. Marriage has been redefined. Everything's redefined. Why? Because we've got a new culture. We're going to give you a new identification. We're going to indoctrinate you. Probably one of the saddest, some of the saddest scriptures in the Old Testament, Joshua chapter 2, verse 7. And I'll end with this reading. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and those who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. And Joshua died at the age of 110 and they buried him, verse 10. After that whole generation died, Joshua and all those elders that had seen all the things God had done, after they died, another generation grew up who did not know the Lord, nor what he had done for his people Israel. Consequently, they did evil in the eyes of the Lord and they served the idol god, Baal. Joshua was the man of God, chose by God to lead the children of Israel into the promised land, and he, he displayed incredible strength and courage in doing so. He was a mighty man of faith. He was an inspiring leader. But something happened. After Joshua and his generation died, the next generation grew up who did not know God or what he had done. After living a life of such great faith and seeing countless signs and wonders and winning so many victories for, for the name of the Lord, Joshua and his dispensation, sorry, and his generation dropped the baton from one generation to the next. I keep asking myself, what happened? What happened? How could they follow God Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, and Joshua, and Caleb, and all these people following God and seeing all these amazing things that God did. And then where was the legacy of Joshua's generation? Were they so busy defeating foreign armies that they forgot to teach their children? Teach their children? Teach their children? Were they so wrapped up in what they were doing that they forgot to teach their children that it was the Lord who had fought for them? Were they not purposeful about passing on the stories to their children? Did they not encourage their children to encounter God for themselves? To have a place of repentance? To have a place of reckoning before God to say, I need you, God, in my life to have a relationship with him? Did the parents drop their guard and say, well, that's just how things are today and become complacent? And the next generation didn't know God or anything he had done. 
We don't know what happened. But something went terribly wrong. And whatever the reasons may have been, someone, somewhere, dropped the baton. And a great big God became so small in the eyes of his people that an entire generation could not see him. Skybreak Church, we are in a battle for the hearts and the souls and the future of our next generation. Our kingdom beliefs are being challenged on every level and every place where the enemy can do his work. And may it never ever be said of Skybreak Church that another generation was born who did not know the Lord or the things he has done. May it never be said. And that's why this legacy offering matters. And on December the 4th, we have the opportunity to stand together and accelerate the vision to train and lead our next generation. This year's legacy offering is only two weeks away from today. Get involved. How do you do that? How can I get involved, Pastor? Well, pray. Ask God what he wants you to give. He'll tell you. I'm not telling you what to give you. That's your job. <laughs> you don't need everybody telling you what to do. That's, that's called... Uh, anyway, I'm saving my notes. You need God telling you what to do. He's your leader. Ask God what he wants you to do. You're a part of Skybreak? Pray. God, this is my family. I want to help save the next generation. What do I give? He'll tell you. Secondly, prepare that gift, whatever it takes, over and above our tithe. Let, let me say something to you very clearly. If you are not in the habit of tithing, before you try to hear God on a legacy offering, start at the at the first step, which is being faithful in your 10%, it would be better advice for me to tell you that than to try to bring an offering because God really is wanting your heart on a continual basis. He doesn't want you once a year. He wants you every time he can see you. And so when you tithe, it tells you God is my source. God is my source. God is my source. God is my source. Every time you tithe, every paycheck, God is my source. God is my source. God is, that's what that does. So, so I'm just telling you as a leader, as your pa founding pastor, tithe. That would be more important than you giving in the legacy offering. Okay, I, just being honest. But prepare. And if you're a business owner, you can make a significant difference by bringing an end-of-year contribution and giving from your business through your church. Do that this year. And then, so after you pray and prepare, then participate. On December the 4th, we're going to give a legacy offering, and we're planning a giving party. And if you've never been to one of our giving parties, you don't know what you're missing. It is exciting. It is fun. It is full of life. There's young people running all over this building, and there's music, and there's stuff happening, and it's exciting, and it's fantastic. Come on, Mama. Mama Green. <laughs> this is not planned, so. I, I guess you have something you want to say. I do. Hold your mic up. Okay. <laughs> he said he wanted to talk to you as a father. And I'm gonna talk to you for a minute as a mother. I want to say that in the generation as I've watched children growing up now in this generation with the cell phones and the video games and the TV shows, first of all on the TV, we can't even watch anything on TV without seeing men kissing men and women kissing women and our poor children have to see that and then as parents we're having to try to explain that and I think it's terrible don't you think that and it's it's confusing our children and so I think we need to be more careful about what we let them see on TV. And then secondly, our children with cell phones, you know, they all want them because every other kid has them. And you're just a terrible mom or dad if you don't let them have one. Well, I think it's really good if you put some kind of control on that thing 
and then you pick it up ever so often and you see what they've been saying or what who's saying something to them. And if you're not doing that, then you're being too nonchalant with raising your child in the generation that we're in now. And I know raising children is hard and life gets so busy. And when you're both working, it's really hard to keep up with everything. But guys, it is so very important because you don't know what's being put into them and what's being said to them. So that phone is not theirs, it's yours. And so you have every right to pick up that phone and go to the other room and go back and check everything on it and you just might get surprised at what's being said to them. And nobody can influence your kid, not even you, like other kids. Just know that. And so as a mom, I'm just encouraging you to be more diligent with that. And then all the video games and stuff, I would be really careful about what you're allowing with that. And one of the things that I love about um, Pastor Nate and Kendall, and I know that Kendra and Pastor Jared does this, they only allow certain amount of time on that. Like you can do this game for 30 minutes or maybe an hour and that's it, you're done because it influences their brains. And so I just think in this generation, we're gonna have to just be a little more diligent in what we allow to go into our kids' minds and who we allow to affect our kids. And it's all of this technological stuff. And if they've got computers in their rooms and they can get on that thing and do what they want to do, I'm telling you right now, shame on you. If you're not more smarter than that, you're not thinking good. And I'm just saying this as a 62-year-old mother that's older than most of you in here and saying, I've watched this. And this is what I'm seeing. And I've got eight grandchildren and two older grandsons and, and uh, sons. sons and my daughter-in-laws. And they're doing fantastic jobs with their children. But it's not without problems. So why don't we do this, honey? Stay right yeah. here, man. Parents, would you stand? All parents, all grandparents, would you stand? Not trying to. I just felt like Dan. I just wanted to bring it down to the brass tacks. So I want, to, I want you to pray what for. We're seeing. I want you to pray over every parent, that all these Do parents that. and grandparents. And if you're still single, don't have kids. You may have kids to come. If you've got one in the womb, you should be standing. By oh the way. yeah. So God I want to pray because Janet and I obviously have a heavy heart for this next generation. And so let's pray over them right now. Honey. Okay. Do my best. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you today with, as Danny said, heavy hearts for our kids. And we're on a mission to fight for their souls. And we're on a mission to not allow this world to take over their minds and their hearts, God. And Lord, I just pray that you would put angels in heaven around them every day to help them to understand and know how to have the right friends and stay away from children that are not the best for them. And God, I just pray for parents, God, that you would help them to be strong and diligent, Lord, in taking care of these beautiful children that you've given to them, God. 
as beautiful gifts from you, God. Even though there's times we feel like we just want to kill them, Lord. You, God, have given them to us, Lord. And I just pray you would give us strength and wisdom on how to take care of them. Lord, give us, renewing us that motherly instinct and that fatherly instinct to know God and let the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Ghost, say to us, as I've had this happen, Lord, I ask you for this when I was raising the boys. Tell me when something's not right. And also, Lord, I want them to, them to get caught every time they do something wrong. So, Father, I just pray that every mother and daddy would pray that same prayer, that their children would get caught immediately when they do something wrong, because then we can help fix that situation, and we can get you in on that situation, God, before it gets too far. In Jesus' name, I pray. We thank you, Father. We come against the evil darkness that's trying to come against us. In Jesus, Jesus' name, Satan, you have no control Jesus over us or our children. We stand against you in the evil darkness that you're trying to uh, portray over all of us. In Jesus' name, we pray. We command it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Jesus, would you pray this prayer with me right now? If you've never invited Jesus into your life to be your Savior, he died on a cross for you, took our sin, yours, mine, and he paid for it 2,000 years ago. And he said, if you'll confess out of your mouth, Jesus, forgive me. You are my Lord. I believe God raised you from the dead. You can be saved. I wanna lead you in that prayer right now. Church, let's pray it together all across this room and wherever you're watching from, pray it out loud. Come on, pray it like you really mean it. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Take away my past. I invite you to be my Lord and leader from this day forward, and I'll do my best to honor you, to serve you, and to follow you. Help me, Jesus. Thank you for saving me, amen. 
and amen. Hold on, hold on. Here's what I want to do. If you prayed that prayer just now, would you raise your hand right where you are? Right where you're at? Just lift your hand if you prayed that prayer for the first time. Come on, come on. Just or to rededicate your life. Come on, raise your hand. We, we have something for you. Hold your hand. Thank you, thank you. Come on, hold your hand high. Thank you so much. Thank you. Our team has something. Thank you. Hold it high just for a moment. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on, now you can give them a hand clap, everybody. Yes. Now listen, I want you to be seated for four minutes. I've got something I want to show you. Take a look at this powerful story. Please be seated. I grew up in a Pentecostal church, so my experience is totally different. So when I came to Skybreak, the love of God was preached, and I had never heard that side. I was always doing things right because I was afraid that God was going to get me. That's kind of how I was taught that, especially because I was a pastor's kid. I, you know, pastor kids always get caught. That's what we, we were told. And I learned a whole different side of who God is. I learned about the love of God. And not only the love of God, but things that we need to do here on this earth as we're living. Because Pentecostal is like, for me, what I heard, you know, my hearing was, we didn't really learn how to live here on the, this earth. Like, we didn't talk about finances, we didn't talk about relationships. I learned here how to live an everyday successful life. <laughs> and that's what I had been missing because I felt like I was a good person, but I wasn't living. I was, I was surviving. Skybrick has challenged me and our family to grow as a family. So, so many challenges put out. I remember um, during legacy season, and when the kids were smaller, when the children were smaller, it was hard for the house. And um, it was always an exciting time because it was an opportunity for me as a mother to challenge, you know, the children to be involved as well. As a mom, I enjoyed that. You know, I didn't want them to be prideful, but just to see the joy on their face that they're able to give was always just like heartwarming for me. And then me also being a part of kids ministry, you see these little kids with their bags of money and uh, their little piggy banks coming and bringing in. It's just like, wow, we're teaching them young how to just be generous and to be given. And so that has continued on with uh, my children as they've grown up. They are very generous uh, children and they tithe and they understand that when it's, you know, when I receive something, I give God the best and the first. And so that's something that, you know, I learned growing up, but I think what I learned here is to be joyful about it, that I get to give this and I get to see, you know, the fruit of it, like seeing from how we progress as we were covenant family to now, you know, at Skybreak, everything that, you know, we have set out as a church to do, we've accomplished. And even more than that, you know, being able to help out and have, you know, sponsored Haiti and things like that. My kids, they, they are into that. Like, when those things come up, they're the first one. This is what we're going to do, uh, Mom. And, you know, they pray over that. And I'm just like, wow. You know, I know that I could have never fostered that by myself. And so this church has given me the opportunity to introduce challenges to, to my children for them to be able to grow, for them to be able to open their heart, for them to be able to see that as a group, as a church that there's so many things that we can do and when we come together it doesn't have to be a big burden for one or two people but we, we all come together there's so much that we can do we can make an impact so one of our first ones like i said it was hard for the house and i'll never forget this is um pastor danny you know was gearing us up for a uh, hard for the house and he he challenged us to go out and if we were one in a home, just to go out, go out and start looking, go out and start looking for a home. And um, <laughs> we had already kind of looked and some things kind of fell through. So we weren't really excited about it, but we gave offering, um, our offering. And for me on the envelope, that's what I wrote that, you know, we wanted a, a home. And then next thing you know, it started going up now. That's where you gotta pray because I'm starting looking 
and this this is where you gotta believe because I'm a math I'm a math person and I do believe this right here going with ties the situation we're talking about now with the house and stuff try them I would say try them because I'm good with numbers and my numbers that I was adding up we were shocked like I don't see how it's not adding up but yet it always happened Things just start falling into place. Three days after Christmas, we were in that next uh, Christmas. And of course, again, that was time because it was always in December where our offering was. And so I'm just like, God, thank you. We have our keys now. And so we just learned to set aside offering. I think a legacy, I don't want it to kind of get misconstrued as just an offering because it, it is not like... Um, it takes those finances to do the things that we do. I love seeing my husband over there being a baby whisperer because I feel like he's being his genuine self because he's a sweet and honest guy and those kids bring out the joy in him. And so for me, just to see him happy and kids high-fiving him and loving on this big black man, you know, it's just like, you know, we can live in love. We can live in unity together. and those kids show us that, that that happens. But what other opportunity would he have to be around kids and be able to high-five them, hug on them, say hi, then right here, and that they see that this is a safe place for kids and males and all races and uh, to be together and serve under one God. I mean, that brings me joy. And I, you know, I believe in that. I am wholehearted wholeheartedly in that and that's why I'm like yes he's over there serving like people like where, where, where's your husband he's in kids and I'm I'm okay with that because I know that that's where his joy comes from and I get joy from worship to see my daughter sweating and running around with these cameras and involved in you know the production of the service I'm just like how amazing is that and then to see my baby you know do five minutes something that I didn't do till I was an adult. I'm just like, wow, what courage it takes to get up there in front of everybody and actually pour your heart out. And so I'm just thankful for the opportunities. I'm thankful that this is here for her to learn. To me, that's legacy.